I invite you to stand as you are able for the reading of the gospel. <laughs> From Luke chapter 3. John said to the crowds that came out to be baptized by him, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bear fruits worthy of repentance. Do not begin to say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our ancestor, for I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children for Abraham. Even now the axe is lying at the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. And the crowds asked him, What then should we do? In reply, he said to them, Whoever has two coats must share with anyone who has none, and whoever has food must do likewise. Even tax collectors came to be baptized, and they asked him, Teacher, what should we do? He said to them, Collect no more than the amount prescribed for you. Soldiers also asked him, And we, what should we do? He said to them, Do not extort money from anyone by threats or false accusation, and be satisfied with your wages. As the people were filled with expectation and all were questioning in their hearts concerning John, whether he might be the Messiah, John answered all of them by saying, I baptize you with water, but one who is coming more powerful than I, but one who is more powerful than I is coming. I am not worthy to untie the thong of his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand to clear his threshing floor and to gather the wheat into his granary, but the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. So, with many other exhortations, John proclaimed the good news to the people. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. You may be seated. I'm not used to being so high, so I'm going to see if I can get the microphone to reach. That's a little bit better. That's the one at the long cord. The long cord. Thank you. So this Sunday in Advent, we lit our third candle on our Advent wreath, the candle of joy. And so for today, it's the pink candle that we light along with the other two blue ones from the previous weeks. And I was doing some research of why we have blue candles instead of purple and why the pink one instead of the blue. And it's a lot of not very well organized, really boring church history that I'm not going to share with you today. You're welcome. <laughs> the simple reason for the pink candle today is that on our third Sunday of Advent, through all the waiting and the anticipation and the anxiety that this Advent Christmas season can bring, we have a break. A Sunday to focus on joy. And nearly all of our readings today share this rejoicing excitement. The prophet Zephaniah tells Zion to sing, to rejoice with all your heart. Isaiah calls us to song and celebration of the waters of salvation that God brings to us. The Apostle Paul wrote to the church in Philippi, Rejoice in the Lord always. And last night at our beer and carols, we sang joy to the world. I told you I was going to talk about it today. Joy, joy, joy. And I don't know about you, but honestly, in this season, I can use a break for joy. Although there's a lot of fun and excitement this month as we prepare for Christmas, there is also stress and busyness and exhaustion and heartache. 
It's probably no surprise to you that as a pastor, this is one of my busiest seasons and my to-do list seems ever-growing, which is why usually before worship you see me running back and forth trying to make sure everything is getting done. All of that brings joy, but a certain amount of stress as well. In our house, we're figuring out calendar dates for visiting with friends and family, all stuff that brings joy, but a sense of busyness that makes quiet or peace hard to come by. This Advent Christmas season also brings up heartache for me, and I'm sure for many of you. As we miss those we love who cannot be with us to celebrate this holiday, from broken relationships, by distance, by death, sometimes joy in this season is hard to come by. Sometimes we don't know what to do, how to find joy in the midst of our stress, of our busyness, of our exhaustion, or our heartache. The to-do list too long, the calendar too full or maybe too empty, the sense of loss so great, what then shall we do? In our oddball reading today, our gospel, John the Baptist is down by the Jordan River with his own particular brand of good news, calling crowds vipers and barren trees. Not exactly the scripture I go looking for joy in, but here he is. And honestly, his good news might be the place where I can really find joy today, and maybe that's a place for you as well. If you are like me, struggling with the stress or busyness or exhaustion that you find this month, the words from Zephaniah, from Isaiah, and Paul just don't seem to help me in taking this break for joy. Zephaniah's joy comes from a place of hope and promise, all the wonderful and amazing things God promises for God's children it's the promise that God is with us in whatever we might be going through and that things will get better, which I believe, but sometimes it will get better are not the words that we need to hear when we're struggling or hurting. Sometimes we're still trying to figure out what we can do. Isaiah's joy comes from a place of promises fulfilled of salvation and gratitude, all the incredible things God has already done for us, through us, in us, as I look towards Christmas Day, towards our celebration of Christ's birth, I am grateful and excited. And gratitude is often a wonderful way to find joy and positivity in the midst of chaos and stress. But sometimes, sometimes looking back makes looking forward even more difficult. Thinking about next steps and those steps being towards joy can seem like a mystery. Paul's joy comes from a place of prayer and peace. All the ways in which God's extraordinary presence comes to us in ordinary ways. And I find myself praying a lot during this season. Praying for peace, for comfort, for time, for silence in a house with an almost two-year-old is a prayer that God answers in his own funny way. And sometimes I'm praying for joy. And those prayers are answered in all of the different ways that God finds to answer our prayers, but sometimes we still can find ourselves asking, and maybe even asking in prayer, what then shall we do? Like the crowds gathered to hear John preach and to be baptized, crowds of people with all kinds of experiences, all kinds of stress, all kinds of exhaustion and heartache and hurt, the crowd comes to hear John. John who calls them vipers and barren trees. John who names their feelings, their brokenness, the brokenness they already feel in themselves. And so hearing his words, the crowds ask him, 
What then shall we do? And John gives them some next steps. And they're not actually that hard. They're tangible and doable. If you have an extra coat, share one with someone who doesn't. If you have extra food, share one with someone who share some with someone who is hungry. Joy isn't always about feeling, singing, and praise. It's certainly those things, but sometimes, and especially when we are finding ourselves struggling to find joy, we find it in caring for our neighbor and sharing in God's justice that brings joy for others in the midst of whatever chaos we might be feeling. The joy of being able to do something for someone who needs it is a joy we give to ourselves. And as each group of people come to John with worry on their hearts, with the stress and heartache of John's words weighing on them, John gives them something that each of them can do. The tax collectors ask, what should we do? And John doesn't say, quit your job, give everything you have, and devote yourself to God. John just says, stop skimming off the top. Just do your job. You can totally doable, kind of almost easy step for them to take. When the soldiers come and say, and we, what should we do? John says, don't extort. Don't beat people up. Don't try to give false accusations to get them to give you more money. Just do your job, do what you need to do, and be happy with what you have. Everything John prescribes is doable, is tangible, and that fills the crowd with expectation with questions about who this John might be. And so John tells them about the one who is to come, the one who baptizes with the Holy Spirit and fire. And it might not sound joyous to our ears, the winnowing fork, the wheat, the blaze of fire, but John is pointing to a judge, to a justice that the people who are hurting, who are bogged down, who are heartbroken, are longing to see. John is pointing to the one whose justice it's very similar to that that we read in Zephaniah today. The one who gives victory, who will rejoice over you with gladness, who will renew you in love, who will exult over you with loud singing. This one who is coming will remove disaster from you so that you will not bear reproach for it, who will deal with oppressors, and who will save the lame and gather the outcasts, and who will change shame into praise and renown in all the earth. John is pointing to something new. John's words are actually good news because John is pointing to this hope, to this promise, and at the same time providing tangible ways for the crowd, for us, to participate in God's justice and God's joy for our neighbor. And in the midst of stress, of busyness, of heartache and exhaustion, sometimes we just need to do something. We need to act in order to find and share joy. For me, the hardest part of this season, as many of you probably can guess, is that my dad passed away just a few months ago, and I'm still missing him a lot, especially as we get towards Christmas. He was the one who put up the Christmas lights and, you know, re-put them up when they fell on him. <laughs> he loved sharing gifts and being Santa when we were young and even as adults. I can usually find joy in the midst of the stress and the busyness of this season, but it's a lot harder for me adding grief into the mix. 
I found myself looking towards God's promises, feeling grateful for all the wonderful Christmas memories we've had. I find myself praying often, asking, what then shall I do? What then shall we do? How can we find joy, find purpose, repent and turn our hearts towards something other than grief alone? And in my family, it was my husband Greg and I deciding that our daughter Hadley would still be getting a gift from Grandpa this year. Something that she probably wasn't old enough for yet, that had something active to do with it, and that she would love, and that we probably wouldn't buy her for at least another six months to a year. Last year, when Hadley was nine months old, barely even crawling, my dad got her a three-foot basketball hoop. <laughs> We had a next step to take, and we found it. A Barbie big wheel. And it's perfect. So perfect that my stepmom, who is also looking for next steps in her own grief, in her own preparing for Christmas, got Hadley a tricycle as well. We know for sure it's what Dad would have gotten her this year. And as we ask, what then shall we do, we realized that Hadley gets to have one tricycle at Grandma's house and a big wheel at home, and we found a way to turn one small part of our grief into joy. These doable, tangible things that John tells the crowd that we seek when we look to take a break for joy in the midst of a season like this, they don't make the stress or the busyness or the exhaustion or the heartache just disappear. Any of the ways our readings give us to find joy, to find good news, alone aren't enough. Whether it's hopeful anticipation, gratitude, prayer, or even participating in God's justice by caring for the needy, by taking next, next steps, there's, there's a reason we need a break for joy. A pink candle in the middle of the blue. All of these things can fill us with joy and expectation for the one who is coming, for the child born in a manger, for Jesus, for God with us. Jesus takes all of our stress, our busyness, our heartache, our exhaustion, our viper and barren tree selves to the cross to fulfill God's promises to us and to the world. Jesus dies for our salvation, for our hope. Jesus rises from the dead to bring love and grace and justice into an unjust world so that when we ask, what then shall we do? Jesus brings this love and grace and justice to share with this world so that we can do the doable, tangible things, so that we can share the good news in caring for our neighbor who doesn't have an extra coat or food to eat, so that in the midst of our own stress, our own busyness, our own heartache, our own exhaustion, we too can take a break for joy. Thanks be to God. Amen. Amen.